Thank you to Mattress Mac for sponsoring our podcast and our show and for believing in the message we preach here every day. If you would, if you need, you need to buy a bed, you need furniture, solid wood, American-made furniture uh, delivered today, go see Mac at Gallery Furniture. And if you don't need it anytime soon, send him a text and say, hey, thanks for supporting the Michael Berry Show podcast. 281-844-1963. Yeah, that's his number. 281-844-1963. Since Nikki Haley bowed out of Nevada because she's scared how bad she'd be beaten, and she would, the next race is a primary in South Carolina, her home state and the state where she was the governor. The real clear polling average has Trump up by over 30 percentage points. That is an average of polls that are considered somewhat legitimate. In the Emerson poll, he's up 29. In the CNN poll, he's up 31. In the Winthrop poll, Trump is up 35. In the Trafalgar Group poll, he's only up 26. In the Emerson poll, I said 29. It is uh, it is not good. It, it is not good. She lowered her expectations over the weekend, <clears> or <throat> tried to lower the ex- expectations of others by saying that she doesn't necessarily have to have a win in South Carolina. A lot of email questions regarding the Senate bill related to illegal immigration. Here is what is happening. Remember, when you're looking at what the power structure does, never assume they're like you because they're not. They're in an industry, a profession that is politics. For you, politics is we want things to work well, like the HOA. You know, we want to make sure... The fence at the front looks good. The sign at the subdivision looks nice. We want to make sure we got an officer patrolling through. The the trees look nice. The landscaping, the esplanade looks nice. The drainage works. That, that's what you care about. But these people care about having the office and sucking up the HOA dues and getting rich off of it and then become the, the president of all the HOAs. And they're not looking at the same set of issues the same way you are. So people are very frustrated. Why would the Senate, why would Republicans in the Senate be promoting a bill that basically just codifies what's already happening right now? Because right now, illegal aliens coming into the country is illegal. The legislature writes laws, they legislate, the executive branch is supposed to execute those laws. They have the bureaucracy, the people, the bodies to execute the laws. Our laws are very clear. You can't just walk into this country. Whether you claim you're seeking asylum or you want to traffic drugs or you want to traffic children or you're a hitman or you're fleeing murder or you're here as a terrorist, None of those are acceptable reasons. You can't come into the country. It is the job 
of the executive branch to enforce the law, which is to repel the invaders. What they choose to do is simply not enforce the law in much the same way that the executive branch of municipalities around the country have chosen to defund the police and to handcuff the police. And what they've seen is very similar, same mindset. When you let the bad guys run loose, your crime rate goes through the roof. Surprise. So why would the Republicans be in on this? Why would the Senate be proposing a bill that makes absolutely no sense? It's a terrible bill. 250,000 per month. We have Border Patrol agents sitting at the at the border clicking. And then, oh, 250. What, do we really? We're never going to turn anybody away. So we can play all the games we want. We're never going to turn anybody away. When you understand that, then you have to work around. So don't legalize that. Don't make, then you would have to change the law. Nobody believes that at 250 a month, which is 3 million people a year, mind you. But even if you did do that, under the promise, well, at least there won't be 251. So what happens when you get to 250 in these same people? Come up in their caravan. American Red Cross has sent them their maps. All the NGOs have put the United Nations, all they've all they've helped them all get here. What are you gonna we're gonna return them to Mexico? Is that do anybody believe that's what's gonna happen? We're gonna turn them away? Are they gonna walk back? Anybody believe that's gonna no, it's not. But the question, and it's a good one, is why? Why this bill? And that I believe, gets to the very core of how cynical this process really is. And I believe that is this. They propose a bill that they know we won't go for. Republican voters, MAGA voters, Trump voters won't go for. And in fact, it's not just us. It's a lot of other people. A lot of middle America, a lot of Democrats, how the old Democrats, they realize that this is an issue they don't, whether because they realize these are sex traffickers and uh, 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 drug traffickers and terrorists or they're worried about the drugs coming in, they don't want this. So they can't get the votes for it. So what ends up happening is the bill is written and they leak the bill. This is the bill that McConnell has signed off on. This is the bill the Republicans are about to sign off on. And they intentionally leak it. Remember, whatever information you get is always only a portion of the truth. So this is all working perfectly according to plan. They leak it out there. And we go ballistic, absolutely lose our minds, and we do what we're supposed to do. We all call our congressman, Speaker of the House, Michael Johnson, because remember, the House is razor thin, says, we'll never stand for this in the Senate. I hope you are enjoying our podcast, and just know that I love to hear from you. You can email me through our website at michaelberryshow.com, and I read everyone, and I, I try to respond to everyone. I'm also appreciative that you support our sponsors. Our sponsor, our presenting sponsor for our podcast that makes this all happen is Gallery Furniture, Jim McInville. And you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to give you a cell phone number, 281-844-1963. Say, hey, Mac, thanks for sponsoring Michael Berry's podcast. They all say, well, we're considering it. And so now the media runs with the story, which is what they've started doing this weekend, uh, this week, that the Republicans won't allow a bill to be passed. It's the Trump voters that won't allow a bill to be passed. Low information voters see that the border is wide open. And when Joy Reid or Rachel Maddow says, you know, we need to do something about this border. All of a sudden they have this trend. But the Republicans won't let us. Huh. I'll vote for the Democrat. At least get something done about the border. Backing the blue. And our vets, too. It's the Michael Berry Show. So we told you the story last week of the couple who had, who had been arrested for operating an unlicensed funeral home so they could steal money from grieving families. Well, now they've been freed on a low bond despite the fact that the male in the couple had not one bond forfeiture, not two bond forfeitures, not three, not four, not five, not six, Seven bond forfeitures. Thank you, Democrat Judge Lori Chambers Gray, for letting this man back out on the streets. But hey, she'll get Rodney Ellis's endorsement and she'll stay on the bench. And that's the way Harris County works now. The female suspect in this cute little couple got a PR bond. And you'll remember what that is, personal recognizance bond. That means that she doesn't have to put up any money. She just says, I pinky swear I'll come back. Okay, you have to sign, because if you sign, we know if you if you give your word, you'll come back. She got a PR bond, despite currently being on parole, meaning we'll let you out, but Don't do anything bad in the meantime. With not one felony conviction. Oh, no. I mean, who doesn't have one felony? Not two. Well, you know, you know, in in her friend group, everybody got at least two. Not three felony convictions. No, 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 no. Not four felony convictions. Not five not six, but to go with her man's seven bond forfeitures, old girl has seven felony convictions. You can thank Magistrate Renette Franklin for that. She, too, will be allowed to keep her job, and Rodney Ellis would probably pat her on her wig. Precinct 1 constable says, a guy like this should have never been let out of jail. But he was. This individual had the nerve to take advantage of us. Dozens of people say they were victims of 26-year-old Javian Major and 38-year-old Sandy Broussard. The pair was accused of operating an unlicensed funeral business, stealing life insurance funds, charging for funerals and embalmings that didn't happen, and mishandling bodies. She's been living with someone ashes for months that she thought was her loved one. His body was warm. It was not cold. When I walked in and I looked at my son, 
His body was bloated. We're charged with uh, protecting Texas consumers in the funeral service industry. Uh, and uh, these are very, very concerning uh, allegations. Mr. Major, uh, he was. He, we had to go and physically find him. Major has a lengthy criminal history and a track record of skipping out on bond. Every time he was charged and out on bond, he forfeited his bond. Every single one. He had seven bond forfeitures. Yet 262nd Criminal District Court Judge Lori Chambers Gray set Major's bond at just 10 grand. This is very concerning. He was in and out before you blinked. A guy like this should probably not have been let out of jail. Historically, I would say that for violent offenders, but this is this is just bad. It's just bad. Get this. Major's alleged accomplice, Sandy Broussard, got a PR bond or get-out-of-jail-free card from Magistrate Renette Franklin, even though she has seven felony convictions and is on parole until the year 2040. It's sad. It's sad. And and again, if I had all these victims that, that, uh, that we have and, and involved in all these cases, uh, they would be just as, as upset, just as hurt. How do you justify giving an 11-time convicted felon who's on parole until 2040 a PR bond? It's not known if the parole board plans to file a blue warrant against Broussard. She obviously violated her parole conditions by picking up new felony theft charges. None of those people complaining, well, Andy Conwood would say to Rodney Ellis in his face, because this is Rodney's direction. This is what he wants. This is what they do. It's very clear. Everyone knows it. They're doing exactly what they're told to do. This is what criminal justice reform looks like. We can't. This is really unfortunate. Gosh, we should wish this wasn't happening. It's human beings doing it. Lori Chambers Gray and this magistrate, Renette Franklin, are under the direction of Rodney Ellis and doing exactly what they're told. No questions asked. And look at these poor families. Listen to those poor families and the grief that they're going through. Hell, that poor family, seeing this with your loved one who you've just lost, and you've trusted the mortician with it, they've been better off letting Shirley Q. Licker's kids perform the, the funeral. I don't know what I'm going to do about these damn youngins. Yesterday, it tore up my yard. There was out here playing funeral home and just digging holes all over the place. And uh, I went out there with my switch in my hand. I started hollering, what is wrong with y'all? Don't y'all know y'all supposed to call downtown before you dig? Y'all could be hitting a gas line or something out here. And I look over and they had two of my twin babies buried up to their neck. And uh, they were trying to do voodoo on them. I got to take them children to church. I keep forgetting. And I know it's my responsibility, oh Lord, to take them children down there and get them raised right. But I don't know. I keep forgetting. And I'm so sleepy. I seem like all the time I'm just so sleepy. That's probably why binocular Obama them don't go to church. It's just so early and you'd be so tired. How's your mama them doing? Just a minute. What is your what is that? Come here. One of the most interesting things I've ever heard was Shirley Q. Licker talking about the funeral home men with their fake compassion. How you doing? This here is Shirley Q. Licker. I waste my whole day yesterday at the funeral home. How you doing? God, I'm so tired of them men that they got down there in their little three-piece suits minding the dead people at the funeral home. I'm just tired of their fake compassion. The girl that got this new receptionist down there, her name is Dishonwika. 
And uh, she coming out with her eight inch long white fingernails and little angels screwed up it up in her wig. It's just this turned me off. And I went and I said, Excellent, where is Miss Jones laid out for? And she took great pleasure in taking that long, perny fingernail. And she said, she down there in the uh, lovely rest chapel. She said, continue to the end of the corridor. So where is you from, Canada? I told me all this attitude. And then I got down there and looked at this woman. And of course, they did up wrong. She would have raised up and killed them if they could saw the colors of eyeshadow they slapped on her. Hang it. She looked like Aretha Franklin designed her face. It was terrible. And then they put that so uh, ugly ass yellow dress on the woman. And she gonna have to spend eternity before Jesus looking like a damn canary. Now that's ignorant. I can't, I just, it aggravates me. Every time I go to a funeral home, I just say, let the people pass and be in peace. Don't drag them through all this expensive ignorance. Tell your mama I see it to Mercury. Bye, honey. You've got the Michael Berry Show. Berry Show. Long-time Houstonians know of Glenwood Cemetery. And if you don't know where Glenwood Cemetery is, just imagine you're coming out of downtown. You know where Washington is. So you're on the north side of downtown on Washington. And you start heading west. And as you head west, just out of downtown, on the left, on the south side of the street, is for 30 seconds of your drive, 40 seconds of your drive, maybe. Right. Is it technically right before the Sonic or is it right after the Sonic? I guess it's right before the Sonic, but the Sonic's on the north side. Yeah. And let me say this, and I wish you hadn't brought that up. I don't like to crap on a fast food restaurant if I can help it. That is a raggedy ass Sonic. And the thing, I don't know why you're laughing, it is. The thing that is crazy about that Sonic is it's not that old, right? It's like there's certain neighborhoods where they go in and build affordable housing. And about a year later, it looks so natty. And you think, good grief, have some pride. Ridden hard, yeah. Man, I don't know who lives here, but they're not taking good care of it. Well, they're not taking good care of that Sonic. That's a raggedy Sonic. Raggedy. We used to live at Memorial Park, and that was our Sonic. And I have to tell you, I mean, I like a little ambiance to my Sonic. Anyway, so yes, there's a Sonic on the north side of the street there. There's a a Mrs. Baird's a little further up. Yep. And you'll be going up to Studemont will be your cross street. But before all that, um, before you get to, when you're coming out of downtown, the police officers union is about, is a little too far into the left. There used to be Shooty Brothers hat shop. But right there on the left is a Chevrolet dealership whose name I won't mention, except to say that they gave $10,000 to Sheila Jackson Lee. Yeah. You got what Dana White said after he was caught on camera hitting his wife. He said, I got to live with this for the rest of my life. You got to live with that for the rest of you. You wanted Sheila Jackson Lee to be the mayor. I uh, I kind of insulted somebody for her. How do you give $10,000 to Sheila Jackson Lee? And you know what? Nobody says because she'd make a great mayor and I love my city. <laughs> you know the answer I was given on behalf of that person? 
Well, when they needed a bailout back in 2008, they think she might have been part of who helped to get them a bailout. Okay. Well, I, I guess we get the government you wanted. Back scratching, falling apart. But hey, if you got your beak wet, I guess that's good. Let's go back to the historic Glenwood Cemetery when you got me distracted now. Houston Business Journal reports. Oh, by the way, on the south side as you're coming out, Washington, if you're driving that way today, you can't miss the funeral, the, the cemetery, because it is beautiful, just glorious, and extraordinarily historic. Houston's historic Glenwood Cemetery opens visitor center, plans to host events, and there is an artist rendering of a 14,000 square foot, square foot visitors center dubbed the Center for Glenwood. And it goes through who all is buried there. And I don't care about Faya Sarah from Howard Hughes, Lester Smith, Bob McNair, George R. Brown, George Herman, William P. Hobby, my beloved mentor uh, and second father figure, Walter P. Zivley, is buried there, which is why I go visit there. Cemetery's new 14,000-square-foot visitor center, dubbed the Center for Glenwood, was designed by... And they're going to have events there. And then... They used a word I don't see used very often, funerary. Let me see if I can find that word. They're going to have funerary services. I didn't look that up, but I've never known a funerary. They're going to have events there. They're going. It, in 2015, it cost between $8,500 and $50,000 per 30-square-foot plot, or about $1,666 per square foot, but that's in perpetuity. So it's, you got to think, count that in there. But it is expensive. Between 2005 and 2014, the average per square foot for a cemetery plot increased by about fourfold to about 540 per square feet. And then, uh, well, then I don't know how we got up to 1,600. Anyway. So many influential people are buried within its borders that Glenwood is sometimes referred to as River Oaks of the Dead. Prices for burial services start at 15000 per space. Uh, I was looking for, for their use of the word funerary. and I can't. The new visitor center was designed to blend contemporary elements with a historic field, feel, marrying stone, large windows, and bronze accents. The building's lobby features a bronze donor wall, which was allowed, which was designed to allow for natural aging. The new facility also includes an archives room, which holds historical data of the city of Houston, maps of the region, burial records, and familial information of the interred. If uh, if you ever if you've been to Glenwood and you went looking for a funeral space, you know that they had an old house on the property, uh, uh, an old uh, kind of cottage. And you had to think to yourself, okay, the owner kind of cramped for space here. It was a, oh, they describe it as a, as a Victorian cottage that was built in 1888 and last remodeled in 1995. This is going to actually be beautiful. And it, it'll be a good, be a good history spot. I mean, they're going to do walking tours and all that. That's all at Glenwood Center. Interesting. The Michael Perry Show. Well, there was a story in the news. You know those wing suits, which is like a squirrel flying suit? You've seen them? They're very dangerous. It's estimated that nearly one in 500 
wingsuit jumps result in death. Gregory Coates, 36, was skydiving in Longmont, Colorado when his primary and skydiving suit with specialized webbed sleeved jumpsuit with membranes between the arms, body, and legs, which allows a diver to glide in flight in the air. Saturday's deadly incident is not the first link to Mile High Skydiving Center. In 2018, a 23-year-old man died while jumping with the company and in 2008, a skydiving instructor and his student died after a fall while doing a tandem jump over the airport. More recently, a 26-year-old Boulder man was killed in a solo jump with a company in 2021, marking the fifth fatality connected to mile-high skydiving since 2018. Before we get to the issue of inherently dangerous activity and whether government should be involved or how we should deal with the, the thrill seekers and the eventual injuries and death, because those have to coexist. Remember years ago when we had a story about a fellow who lost his prosthetic leg while skydiving? Do you remember this? One person said, yes, we had a customer yesterday who was skydiving with us, and uh, he lost his prosthetic leg in mid-flight. It was a very good find. It was kind of a whodunit at first, and how did a prosthetic leg get in the middle of this lumber yard? He unfortunately lost his leg two years ago. He said he came down really hard, really fast. As he went to plant his foot, his ankle and bottom part of his leg just exploded. It was uh, really refreshing to see his spirit and just his enthusiasm towards something like this. He had a great spirit, and he said it hasn't slowed him down a bit, and he continues to skydive to this day. Uh, okay, I hope he enjoys it. So this guy lost his God-given leg while skydiving, and I think the word he used was exploded. You know, I like gross stuff and wounds, except when I'm eating, but I cannot watch hyperextensions and bend backs. And I think the moment I realized it was when Joe Theismann's shin just shattered. You remember his tibia and fibula or fibia and tibula or I'd never get those right. But you remember when that whole thing just went, oh, they just, just kept showing it just over and over. Ugh, damn that. When they announce that a player has twisted his ankle or his knee in the middle of a scrum in the game and they start back and they go, well, as you'll see here, the right tackle. I just turn away. To, I can't, I can't look at it. It just bothers me. But this guy loses his God-given leg while skydiving, which was described as his foot and ankle exploding. Can you imagine? Ugh. So he gets a prosthetic leg. And as he's skydiving, the prosthetic leg comes off. Maybe he should give some thought to this might not be your act. I don't know. And by the way, when did we stop saying peg leg? Peg leg is a good term. Did you have any peg legs when you were growing up? We did. A uh, kid named Jimmy Sepulveda. Jimmy Sepulveda was a few years older than me. Uh, he worked at the grocery store. I didn't know him well. He was maybe my brother's year or maybe a year behind my brother, Chris. Um, but Jimmy Sepulveda had the old-fashioned peg leg, the wood leg. Uh, you know, like I don't. It was like today, 
Remember we had the woman that got her leg, uh, uh, she had her leg amputated after about 25 surgeries after the Boston bombing, the Boston Marathon bombing? Well, when she walked in, she put a pair of jeans on. Hell, even, yeah, she's hot. Even uh, even naked-legged. You know, the leg now, it it looks, it ain't like Oscar Pistorius where, you know, you got some uh, samurai sword coming out of your, your thighs. They actually look and move and everything. Back then, I don't know how this thing was fastened. Maybe just, maybe just a little pad under his. I mean, it went all the way up to the cutoff of the thigh, all the way up. And because back then they didn't have the ability to bend, so he would walk. I'd watch him because he worked either at the Piggly Wiggly or the Gerlins. Or the wine gardens. I can't remember. Um, but I would find excuses to say hi to him because I'd want to study his leg. Because I was a kid. I'd still do it today. But, I mean, at least, no, I didn't touch it. I just, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Fine. Yeah, just say, how's school going? I'm a sophomore in high school and you're in kindergarten. Why are you asking me, weirdo? Well, I was just checking to make sure everything's going all right with your leg and all. So, anyway, when he would walk. Because there was no bending, or I mean, they've they've advanced a lot in prosthetics. When he would walk, he would have to swivel his hip and kind of just kind of flop that leg around, and it was awesome because that leg every time it hit, boom, boom, boom. I mean, that alone will make you want to write a horror movie, right? Yeah, that's sonic branding on a whole different level. And Jimmy Sepulveda walked up the stairs with the foreboding sound of his peg leg. Did you have you didn't have any peg legs in yours? So he had been about, I think, twelve years old. And I think he was mowing uh he was on a track he was on his uh grandfather's Massey Ferguson tractor. And the tractor turned over on him. But if you remember tractors back then Kind of like four-wheelers when they started out as three-wheelers. They were sort of designed to fall over and cut your leg off. Um, it would have the big jacked-up tires on the back that were you know spread out wide. And then in the front, it's like, oh, well, that's just not even... Let's just put two little squiggly wheels on the front. That thing was, was made to tip over. And in his case, it did, and it, it severed his leg. I wonder how many. I bet we have a listener has a peg leg. I bet we do. There's more to this story I got to get to. We found one with a left and a right. What? You could buy one person. You know, that whole prosthetic business, that's big money now. Big money. What would you most fear losing? Your eyes? Yeah, me too. It took a lot to make our podcast come together, and Mattress Max said, I want to be part of that. I want to be the presenting sponsor. And he did. And our listeners have responded and said, thank you. We love the show. We love the podcast. We love American-made solid wood furniture delivered today. Send Mac a message and say, hey, Mac, thanks for supporting the Michael Berry Show podcast, and I'll buy my furniture from you when I need it next, or my new bed. 281-844-1963. 281-844-1963.